You're listening to I Am The Perfect Fit Podcast, where women all across the world are giving a new meaning to perfection. Perfection isn't about the size of your clothes or the number on the scale, nor is it about your cute curated images on your Instagram feed. It's about you understanding that your creator, Jesus Christ, created you perfectly for a specific mission. On this show, we talk about perfection in a way that is freeing and transformative, in a way that gets you moving in the direction of your deepest desires and dreams with bold courage and big action. I'm your host, April Morris, a missionary with one goal in mind, to help you rethink how you think about yourself because you are the perfect fit. We are back for part two of our mental health series with Dr. Justillian, and y'all, we're just going to jump right into it. I hope you all enjoyed part one. If you haven't listened to it, make sure you go back and listen to part one of this series. So Dr. Justillian is a marriage and family therapist. She is also a licensed clinical social worker specializing in women's issue. Again, Dr. Justillian, welcome to I Am The Perfect Fit Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Excited. Let's get right into it. Marriage and family Mm -hmm. therapy. What do women come into your office, into your practice most for? Relationships. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about them. (laughs) What about relationships? Mm -hmm. There are a myriad, oh my goodness, um, definitely about if they're married, um, something your husband is not doing or you want him to do. <laughs> well, well, let's help the people. So let, let, mm-hmm. let's, cause I can hear somebody nodding their head saying, mm, help me with that one. So when you are in a relationship and you are married mm-hmm. and your husband is not doing something that you want him to do or vice versa, he's doing something that you don't want him to do. Right. How would you recommend the desired outcome? <laughs> I generally start like to ask people, once again, foundational question. How did you meet? Mm. Now, what um, what they got to do with anything, Christy? I just need the man to wash oh, the dishes, fold the clothes. <laughs> oh, but it does. Okay, okay, um, help us. It helps identify who's the pursuer, who's okay. the overfunctioner, mm. meaning pursuer, who pursued the relationship. Okay. And overfunctioning, meaning, because I like to ask who does what, who's working, who's not working, who, um, what's the income, how the bill's decided, if you're married, how the wet med- um, wedding planning go? Um, how did it not go? Uh, are there children who decided to have children who didn't decide that? Well, children we both had decide. to decide to have children. <laughs> oh, but once again, we would think <laughs> all of these questions. It puts it lets you know okay how is this relationship functioning because okay. I, especially if you're coming into therapy by yourself because couples therapy is one thing and one person coming in about their um, um their relationship is another. Mm-hmm. So generally, I you're getting information from one person in their perspective. So facts help to delineate from the emotionality and what's see. the facts. I see. Because people generally, when they're coming in, they're coming in to offload and complain. And the rhetoric as women, because we're such um, communicators, we've already probably talked about this with our girlfriends. So many times you come to therapy thinking, oh, I'm just going to rehash the whole thing so you can feel me. In reality, my job is not really to feel you. It's to ask, to ask you, what's your identified goal here? Mm-hmm. And what is it that you, um, and what role are you playing in your current dilemma? And from that perspective, it's to say, okay, what are you up against? Because oftentimes um, we like to think it's our partner. Mm-hmm. 
However, we played a healthy role in getting with that person. <laughs> we we got with them. Yeah. So that means we also have to co-facilitate what this relationship looks like. Okay. And how am I playing a role on this current dynamic that I have? Okay. So do we need a scenario to, to kind of pinpoint? Um, well, it depends. If we're talking about, and I'll I'll say this, if we're talking about what do women generally come in with, women come in more about relationships because we're relationship oriented and often not about how do I take better care of myself. So just off the premise, I'm coming in and about my relationship. You wanting to change the other person. The reason I'm always going to come to the person in front of me, I'm generally going to ask you, well, what's your responsibility and how are you taking care of yourself here? Because, and I'll say this, depending on how you're taking care of yourself will show me, okay, is the expectations you have on this partner being somebody different is realistic or is this your stuff? Gotcha. So even if we have a scenario, um, scenarios are scenarios fine, but generally I'm always, it's always going to be what's your goal for self? Because I think we come into therapy thinking often, oftentimes I'm at my wit's end and I don't know what to do. And I'm this, it's kind of like I am, and I don't like to use the word victim, but I am the victim for lack of a better term, or I don't have any idea of any of my other resources I'm up against. So I have to remind clients, no, we are active players here. You have you have plenty of resources. Mm-hmm. You have plenty of opportunities. The question is, what do you want? So if I can tell you, most women don't know what they want when they come to therapy. Hmm. And so they're co- so are they coming to you to confirm what they've told their girlfriends or what they've been thinking and to prove that I'm right? And then they go and tell their spouse. I talked to my therapist and she said I was right. Oftentimes women are coming in saying they want to be proven right or they want to be proven their diagnosis is what it is. So it justifies their behaviors. Oh. Or two, not knowing why this relationship not working. Okay. Okay. And maybe that maybe now it's time to exit left. Not even exit. You would think most people, by the time they come to therapy, you the talks of I want to leave. There are some who are, okay, I'm genuinely want to leave and I'm just clearing my ducks in a row. But oftentimes it's the rhetoric. I have to ask myself when I'm hearing a client say, especially when it comes to, I think I'm ready to divorce my husband or I think I'm ready to leave my partner. Am I just the, is this just a threesome and you're doing this dance here, but you're going to go back and just do what you do there? Mm. Because oftentimes we're used to having conversations with our girlfriends, just be what they are. And we go right back to what that relationship is and carry on again. And when things get heightened again, I'm going to tag another third party in to kind of help balance this a little bit. But I just go right back. So that's, go ahead. I was gonna say, so how do you, how do you know when a woman is really ready to make, make whatever change, whether it's changing, working on herself or whether it's leaving the relationship, you as a therapist, what are some of those things that you know, okay, this, I can see that this woman is ready to take action. She already did. Mm. Okay. When a person's ready, when, when a person is ready, you already did it. Now, if you're coming to contemplate it, that means you're still in it. Okay. Okay. And that's, that's fine. That's yeah. yeah, that's fine. And so even my job is to here be more than the emotion. If we have emotion, is to tease that part out a little bit. And that's why I always go back to I will always have this one question. What is your what are your values and what is your desired outcome? Because without the vision, the people per- people perish. Right. So in order to keep this conversation clear. 
and to also allow people to become really start thinking about well, what is it do what do I want? Is this relationship does it have what it does it have what it takes to give me what I want? And a lot of people think, especially when you go to couples therapy, the couples therapist's job is to keep you all together. It's not. If anything, most you probably get a divorce quicker. Oh, really? You'll probably come to terms. You'll probably come to terms with well, this is really not working. This is really not who. This is not a relationship that I like. Or you come to realize, and I'm ready to stay. Maybe we have what it takes to stick it out. So. so the- so the therapist is the is the mediator to help bring clarity or to help clear the smoke right. for the individual or for the couples to see the facts, not the feelings, just the facts. Yes. When couples come in and say you need help with communication, um, just like I just probably need help with communicating because I tolerate up here. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, when couples say they need help with communication, I'm generally saying, no, you're you're communicating all the time. So is it that you don't like what you're hearing or what you're hearing or what you're hearing is um, not something that you desire, you desire to hear something else. So even the whole notion, oh, we need help with communicating. Now you're communicating. Um, is this something like you don't like what you're seeing? So tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. And if your partner is there, then it's the same question. Tell me more about that. What would you like to see? What's getting in the way of that? Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot more room for a lot more room for questions, and with that, it's one of those things where um, it's this is why I say, but as a therapist, you have to be very clear about your role here because there are so many moving minutiae in the air when it comes to when a woman comes to therapy especially because most of us are coming to therapy about our relationships. We are so not, how does, not mm-hmm. I just want to throw this in here real quick. So yeah. how does a woman's childhood, the little girl show mm. up in relationships? How does that show up in the, the relationship now that she's a grown woman? Do you ever see that? Do you ever make connections mm-hmm. when you're talking to women about certain things and pinpointing to maybe, situations and traumas that occurred when she was a little girl, a teenage girl, a younger woman. I argue that version of us is always present. Mm. It never goes away, Christy. <laughs> because we're assuming that that childlike version of us is supposed to go away when really that childlike version is supposed to inform and giving information. Mm. Now, depending on what needs to be worked out, we'll tell when she appears. So you're right. If there's trauma, then already I'm thinking of arrested development, meaning, okay, there may be some space of a, there may be some developmental areas where um, something might have stopped or we may be stuck in, we may be stuck in. And in a relationship where it depends on how safe a person is with their partner. In relationships, relationships are going, it's a bed of triggers. There ain't no closer person in your life than the person you're going to lay with. Mm. And people like to romanticize, um, get in relationships. It'd be great. They also going to get on your nerves because they're human. Yeah, yeah. So most likely, the person you in the, um you are in relationship with is definitely going to trigger, and at times not feel so safe, and not because that person isn't safe, it's because that person also has um a particular entity. They're trying their own version of childhood. They're trying to work out, and they're clashing, and they're clashing, and they are clashing. And this is one mm-hmm. thing when I uh, when we were in ministry, and I would 
talk to different, you know, women and my husband and I would, you know, have conversations or I don't want to call them counseling sessions because we're not therapists, but coaching sessions, I'll say that to be safer. (laughs) Coaching sessions with people, we would always say is, you know, when you get married and you're trying to form this new family, you're bringing all of your 20 some years or however old you are into it. And they're bringing all of their 20, 40 some year old self to it. I mean, it it takes, it's a mess. It's a beautiful mess. And it takes time to Mm -hmm. fit all of these various elements, trauma scenarios together in a cohesive environment. And then you have kids or you come with kids that just further complexes the chaos. And so I often say, and you you alluded to it, is that we have this propensity, particularly as women and maybe even some men, and maybe it's just people in general. You correct me if I'm wrong. We have this propensity that we want to fix people. Yes. We want to fix people. We want to, you know, even sometimes as women and even as uh, husbands, again, I can't speak for men, but I hear oftentimes women want to, they feel like they can make a man. I, I used to call it build a man. You had to build a bear. Yeah. And I would say, baby, you can't build a man. You can't go and pick out, I want this one because he got nice big muscles and I'm going to put this shirt on him and I'm going to put this pants and, and you, you build a man doesn't exist. And it's, it's common where we, we women will, you know, get into relationships and there are certain things that you love about the person, but there's just some things you can't stand about a person. And in your mind, the things that you can't stand about a person, you feel that you're going to fix it, <laughs> that you're going to make it better. You're going to make it to your liking. And I realize that ain't so. <laughs> you know, too, I mean, there's enough studies that show when you're in the beginning phase of relationships, um, you literally cannot see outside of the euphoria. Wow. There's a study that show that? There are studies that show that our brains are just stuck, especially if you're having... When you're having sex with someone and it is new and exciting, we I believe the thing is like either three to seven years. That's why they call it the seven year itch. It mm. takes a lot of time for us to actually gate out some quicker, probably quicker <laughs> than others. Not no pun intended. But to get out of that honeymoon phase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for the most part, you we are living in the um beautiful perfume aura of who we think this person are person mm. is versus the fertilizer that they actually come with yeah yeah and by the time you start when the beautiful thing about life there's so many transitions that happens in life and transitions help to show you who a person is yes i'm glad that you say that and that's one thing that that's very important i believe when you're dating someone it's fun to have all the cute fancy stuff i think you should do all of those things but it's also as equally as important to have some hardships, some hard knocks, because those things, as you said, expose you to so much of invaluable information that only that experience right. can give you. Right. That only I, that yes. experience can give you. And I, and I say, if you're, if when you're courting someone, sometimes, you know, you sometimes some people, because, you know, people don't like everybody in their business. I get it. I understand that. But when you're committing your life to someone, you want the right people, or as you said, the safe people in previous episodes, mm-hmm. you want the safe people to be in your business for a good way, because then you can kind of, they can pick up on different things. They can pick up on different cues. You want to, you want them to be in these different experiences with you. So that way you are able to grab that real time, raw in download of information of how does this person go through these kinds of experiences? How do they go through 
these kinds of ex- experiences? How do they go through hardship? Because the worst thing you do is you get married, you get in a relationship, a relationship with someone and all of a sudden, you know, you have a, a heartache. And then the real them comes out because you've never really seen how they adjust to pressure or change or unexpected loss or unexpected shift, unexpected that. So I think it's very beneficial that when you are courting that you have a safety team, let's call it that a safety team Mm -hmm. of people that you can kind of have to vet this individual. um, So that way you're, they're seeing in a different way that you're seeing because of the euphoria that you just mentioned. Right. And no one is perfect. You're not going to find anybody without any stuff. Well, well this really... is this is called I'm the perfect fit. So we perfect. No, I'm just joking. I'm just, <laughs> just joking. And I, far from it, it. Far from it. It was just a joke. <laughs> yeah. And, but but the funny thing is, we do believe, and I think that's why the the term narcissism is so hot, popular. Um, the ironic thing. Um, we do believe very highly of ourselves. Mm-hmm. We, especially as women, when you are a woman who have particular accolades. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, let's say physically, monetarily, career-wise, house-wise, there comes a point in time, and they, I mean, let's be honest, when you have put in the work and you just know, like, no, baby, I am bad. I am, I am, I'm doing this. Yes. We, we come in with these accolades and it's just like, no, this is a man of also equal high value as well. I'm with, I'm on a high value partner. So you find your pseudo high value partner. And we go with these checklists that, oh my God, we take these beautiful Instagram pictures. I mean, we do great vacations, honey. We fly back and forth at the TV. He had multiple business. I got multiple businesses. But the question is, are real conversations happening? Yeah. Like, what are the real conversations? Are you listening to what this person is saying? Yeah. And I don't want to say listen to how this person they put. <laughs> I I would always advise do not submit what your wants are allow a person to show you who they are because men are wired to play video games meaning they are wired for competition they're wired to win yeah yeah that's good yeah in a heterosexual relationship he is going to try to win it so mean whoever you want him to be he will be so how do you how do you so i'm sorry not to cut you off so how do you how do you do what you just said oh one one one, you have to be clear with yourself what you're looking for. Okay. Meaning, not just a 10 list where it's all just like these superficial things. Meaning character. What character are you kind of characteristic traits, a man of integrity? Okay, if I want a man of integrity, how would that look like? Okay. And and I say this meaning if you don't have hangups with men already, because if there are hangups with men in your life and you know you have a hangup with a man because you either come from a woman with hangup with men, you have you have a relationship history that shows you have hangup with men, work that out, work that stuff out the best you can first. And if you can't work it out, well, get a therapist. And if you get a therapist or working, then find some male mentors, not friends, not people you have access to. I'm talking about people who are in real, who are at least you have proximity enough where you can see how men behave mm. men of integrity behave mm-hmm. men of integrity behave i think so many of us have seen men who lack integrity 
So we're always looking for the lack of integrity and we, and then we end up with lack of integrity because what you see is what you're going to get. Right. When you start to actually see behaviors that you actually want to see and have in your life and how it looks over time, then you'll be able to discern that as well. Mm. You ask God for a spirit of discernment when it comes to dating. Then also you should have men who vet men for you. Hmm. You should, because I, and the best way I can say my father said, dog, no dogs. My father told me that 10 to age of 15, dogs, no dogs. That, and and you can see men know how to spell each other. Yeah, yeah. The reason why a lot of us are scared of that either, A, we don't have a relationship with men. We don't know how to have friendships with men. Yeah. So that's a, that's already an issue. That's that's a thing to pay attention to. I don't know how to have just a friendship with the opposite sex where it's not leading, um, where it's not leading to sex. Mm. And then two, we have been so feminized in our culture. That's a whole nother conversation. But the feminine culture is so, um, and I say, where we expect men to be women. Mm -hmm. So some we have a hard time understanding, though, the true nature of manhood, the true nature of a protector, a provider, what that actually means versus what we think it means versus by the by the things that we saw in life. So, and that is biblical. So we're talking about. I'm as a therapist, I'm talking about Bible because at the end of the day, Bible sets a standard for me. Right. So as a woman, we say, how do we get those things? You need community. Dating in isolation, you're setting yourself up for deception. When you're in community, you have more eyes because we have voids. This is straight up. We, nobody's perfect. So you're going to walk into this thing with some voids. Somebody's going to smell your void. He's going to find you alone by yourself. He's going to sniff you out. That's how people get in crazy situations. Or we introduce them to our single friends. Our single friends want a relationship just as bad as we are, so they might just co-sign them as quick as we do, yeah. if not quicker than you. So you need some people with some eyes, some people with some weight, yeah, some yeah, some people with some with some muscle on them spiritually. Um, people, and I'm saying not bitter people, although they do have a role, yeah. But I'm saying people who can wisely discern, like you know, I pay attention to that, and you do got to tell the person. It can be a group event, yeah. And just bring them around. This doesn't have to be this, oh, I'm bringing you to meet. No, this can be just a casual. You can tell one of your mentors, hey, I'm dating someone I'd like to bring around. They might have a cookout and just say, hey, yeah, a bunch of people come around. It doesn't, dating in community simply means I'm bringing you in community. Those, and I think too, sometimes we have to take the pressure off. Oh, I don't want to bring people too close because they might not. Married people and older people, I will say as a whole, we may need to take a the pressure of a relationship having to end in a particular way yeah allow single people to date single people when you're single dating is also a healthy thing when done with great boundaries because it helps you to find out more about self absolutely absolutely so yeah when there isn't a safe space where people can bring to you and that's just safe or feel like okay i know i know this might be the third person i brought them to meet Dang, I mean, I want to bring because they're going to look like I'm going to look some, some type of way. No, baby, bring them. Because better you find out amongst people versus you two, three, four years in, and then you got all these ties with the person. Now you psychologically in my office talking about, like, I don't know how I'm going to make this relationship work. I do believe in therapy. I think everyone should have access to therapy. But our greatest, ther- like, the greatest therapy occurs in nurturing safe environments. Mm. We can have nurturing relationships with others. And as women, that's why women, we, we are strong as a group because women, we facilitate community and relationships. Yes, absolutely. So the thing is just, if we widen it to just, not just me and mine, because I find that when 
when I was single, I was I had the blessing to be around married people because I was single and you were married. So what did I do? I watched your relationship. Right, right. I didn't know it was a blessing then, but this was one of the blessings that provided when I was dating. Right. I had material to kind of dissect this stuff from. You're around pastors, hopefully pastors with integrity and character, all that other stuff. <laughs> Put yourself around those who have behaviors. You can at least start to discern because your spirit will take that in. And when someone's not there, you won't even know you had this level of discernment until you're like, ah, oh, no, nah, he don't smell right. Right. Sums off. Right. So, because you've been around right fruit. Absolutely. And that's where that safety of that community is there for yeah. is to kind of guard you and to help steer you into having conversations, particularly when there are, there are safe people, when there are people that you know has your best interest in mind and they want the, the best end result for you, you can trust right. their judgment. You right. can trust their judgment, even when they poke out or pick out something that kind of sting you like, Ooh, like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. like, Ugh. Maybe you, maybe you need that sting because maybe that sting is going to help you start leaning, leaning into questions or maybe that right. sting is going to help you open your ear to hear, okay, okay, God, is this the right direction? Is this the right area? Is this the right, you know, angle that I should be approaching it in? Speaking For of sure. women and issues, I wanted to ask you this because you mentioned in the, in the part one of, do you feel that in our culture, now that we have a women, who are mm-hmm. oftentimes more successful than their spouse. I don't want to say successful, but who maybe uh, are, um, uh, yeah, we'll just say more successful. They're having more income. We have now more women, high earners okay. than their partners. You have women who are having successful businesses, who are thriving, who are out in the community, who are making moves. What, in your in your professional um, mm-hmm. opinion, how do you think that, space that women are now moving in how has it positively uh, impacted Mm. women and then how would you say in with women Mm. having conversations how has it negatively impacted women i would use the term balance okay the biggest issue coming into therapy is how do i find time to balance Mm. everything um those who are in high um especially high, um, I would say, power positions, corporate positions, women, the issue of women is like, how do I not appear too masculine in my personal relationships? Yeah. And how do I, um, and this is a term called soft girl life or soft life. Um, how do I become more, how do I remain feminine? Um, and how do I allow somebody to accept all of me? Because even though we are appearing in these spaces, um, energy of like how to balance that um how to balance these multifaceted ways to be able to switch to hats it's a skill and it requires it does require some training level finesse i don't think, i can't say i don't think we've been exposed as women we are the one of first generation where we're having a lot more um conversation we're seeing a lot of women play different roles in a many wide ranges Right. Um. So I'm saying a balance one, and then two. Really, just like the long term effects on their relationships, whether it's with their children or with their partners. How do I do these all these things and not feel like I'm losing something? Hmm. And is it possible to be a high power woman in business, high earner, have a spouse, and 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 then because now women are getting married later in life. You know, I got married in my twenties, but you know, Mm -hmm. 
I have friends who are still single and they're yeah. in their late thirties, early forties um, and not yeah. married. So do you feel that this is in, again, coming from your professional seat, do you feel yeah. that it is something that women have figured out and are figuring out, or is it kind of like most of what you see kind of ends up in some type of separation? You know, um, see, it's, I don't know how to answer that question without also considering the plight men are under as well. Okay. Because you do have a context where with women being in certain positions, the question is, well, how, how me as a woman, how am I managing these various positions? Meaning um, in our culture, the, how do I say this? Um, I guess tactfully. <laughs> There is a boss moving among women. Yeah. Um, I'm a boss. Yep. Or move like a boss. Boss babe. <laughs> boss babe. Yep. And that is fine. But the question is, how are you defining that? And with that definition, how how does that translate to relationship and the person you're either with or you're looking to attract? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, women, we are more open to change. Where men, some or a little resistant to the shift. So the question is really amongst you and your partnership, how are you both defining your goals together if you're in partnership? Mm. And I think so those, that those is- the, needs, those, That needs to be a conversation. And that that's a skill set. I mean, when I was it dating, is. I don't recall me and Emerson ever having conversations about like what roles. And, and it's amazing you said that because I remember getting married early on and just- meshing lives together it was like a it was an eye-opener it was like wait a minute now because i i like things to be a certain way and my husband knows that so if he's listening to this dear you know that (laughs) i like for my house to be a certain way i like for things to be in order and my Mm -hmm. husband on the other hand is more of a carefree kind of spirited person Mm -hmm. and girl the first couple years of our marriage it irked my last nerve and not that it don't today because it still does it really does and I have just learned after 17 years of marriage to kind of just ask myself what's most important at this moment for sure because if it's most important that the house is clean in this moment then that's what I'm I'm a roll with that (laughs) or if something needs to be in order I'm a roll with that but if it's not that important then you know I'm I'm not going to stress it and then mm-hmm. the other part is how I approach it. I've learned my, I worked on my approach over the years. Oh, we still working here, child. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, I miss the mark sometimes. <laughs> I miss the mark sometimes. And my husband will, mm-hmm. will kindly remind me. Uh, but sometimes I'm just like, what is this? Like, why does it look like this? Like, what's going on over here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then other times I'm just, you know, dear, can you, can you, can you, dear, okay, what about this? You know, I try to put on my nice, soft, and I'm a quiet, reserved person naturally, but it's just certain things that, what we call them pet peeves, mm-hmm. a couple of pet peeves of mine. So with the whole boss, with the whole boss, uh, boss bait movement and women being in these roles and finding balance, um, I mean, what, what is one, what are one or two tips that you would say, for maybe let's let's talk about the woman who is single, right? That she mm, may start right. working on herself today. And then what yeah. about the woman who is entering into that space or in that space? What could they they want to be married? They want their spouse or yeah. they want the relationship. So for the single woman, what would you recommend? 
I have learned, I think the biggest benefit I had, I had single friends and married friends and older older women who were in spaces I wanted to be at friends. Gotcha, gotcha. You, well, going back to community, what helps to temper, um, what helps to temper expectations are people who are already living or who have lived it. Because when you are single, we haven't, we think we know you don't know until you ride that ride. You really, you really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes when you have people who's been through the various stages of life preceding you, you can kind of at least enter, or at least when you're in it, have a sounder advice at least. Mm-hmm. Sounder space to like, okay, so you mean him not picking up after himself? Okay, that's normal, but we still, we need to talk about it. That's not mm-hmm. like him just being disrespectful, not respecting me as a woman. No. Okay, I can kind of bring that down. Mm-hmm. Um or even as a single person, just like, okay, so I also say start reading relationship books now. Like that whole, oh, I'm going to just be single, leave my single life, and then I'll worry about relationship when I get into it. Since when you're in a relationship, you don't got time. Because now you're managing your life in a relationship and all the beautiful expectations we think. Read the books. Read the books. Listen to the podcast about relationships now. And I hear women who listen to men so funny to me when miss women go to um men for advice (laughs) a caveat to that men do provide great expectation but as women you were wired to be submissive to submitted to one man when we are taking in information to all these different men we go into the relationship with the one man thinking we know but you don't know Mm. so submit yourself to a woman in titus 2 Submit yourself to the women who are older and wiser, mm-hmm. who are already wives. Yeah. Understand what wifehood is. What does it mean to be a wife? Okay. So how do you manage responsibilities as a wife? What does motherhood look like? When you start having those conversations single, then you wouldn't have a better eye. Like so what kind of man can actually fit that role versus the man you, because men are always going to approach us. Whatever, contrary to what people in society tell you, men are hunters. There are plenty of them out there. There are lovely men who are single. Being single is amazing. <laughs> there are plenty of them out there. So you're all going to have somebody to approach you. The question is, you choose. He who finds a wife, but you choose to be the wife. Yeah, absolutely. So when you are submitted under wives, wives will let you know, okay, what really matters in the husband. He may have 20 different businesses, but if he's not present for you, then What's the use of the 20 businesses? You I mean, you can make your own money. Yeah. That opens your relationship. So, so if single women have wife friends, married women, if you're in a relationship and you want or, or you're dating and you want to remain connected to this person, how cultivate a safe relationship, cultivate a safe space where you guys can have conversations. And if you're finding it difficult, men do, contrary to how articulate men are, their communication is just different. To just today, my partner, he said a thought, and I thought it was going to lead to more conversation. And I was just like, okay. So he, he just like, oh yeah, I don't think, I don't think we should do that. Okay, great. So what don't you think about it? I don't know. I just thought we should do it. Well, what does that mean? Like, so when you say we shouldn't do it, then what should we do? That's it. I just had the thought. What am I supposed to do with that thought? I need more. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Just, it's just a thought. So as a, I can take that and turn that into an argument. But understand how he processes, he processes in pieces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the you dwell to dwell with the person, you want to dwell with wisdom. You want to watch that person. How do they communicate? 
So cultivate a safe space for you guys to talk. And if you can't do it by yourself, tag in a third party. And then I, I, that in itself leaves room, okay, so maybe we're moving in a different area in this relationship and we need to reestablish what our norms and our roles are. Yeah, and I like how you said that with uh, in the beginning with the individual who may be single because the truth of the matter is over time, when you, whether you're single or whether once you get married, you change, you evolve. Mm-hmm. And so one thing it's one, and this is where if you're dating a person and one of the key elements you want to really make sure that that person have is adaptability and flexibility. Mm-hmm. Life is not going to stay and remain the same. It's not. And so sometimes when you're dating and you're single, again, like you just, you're in those euphoric stages of your mm-hmm. life and your marriage. And you're thinking that this season is going to be forever. And there's elements mm-hmm. of that that will remain. But the reality is, if you, me, I got married at 24. I'm 42 years old now. I have evolved as a person. Like, I'm not the same yeah. April who was 24 years old who I am as a wife at 42. When I got right. married at 24, I didn't have children, right? I didn't, it was a lot of this right. different iterations and changes of life and losses and this that has brought more wisdom and experiences into my life that has changed how I look at even being a wife and even challenges me to be a better wife. And how do I show up at at this stage in our marriage? And it, this, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's always reminding myself uh, and thankfully I'm married to someone who understands we, we evolve, we change, we've changed physically, right? We've changed. I was just joking with you earlier when I met my husband, (laughs) he had hair on his head, (laughs) Not him's ball. <laughs> and I still love him how he is. So and, and and when he met me, I was a couple pounds lighter. Now your girl, you know, she's stacking, she's stacking real deep right now, but we're working on that. That podcast coming soon. <laughs> you know, we stacking deep, you know. So at the end of the day, life changes. And so this right. is the beautiful part of it is that mm-hmm. the core of who we are, you know, yet remains. Mm-hmm. And even just with my desires and the, the aspirations of who I want to be at this stage in my life is changing. And I'm grateful mm-hmm. that my husband understands that and he's supporting that. But I have ran into Kate and it's not easy. Don't get me wrong because it's still an mm-hmm. adjustment, right? It's still even now, although I'm working in different um, areas of, of growth and opportunities and, and entrepreneur endeavors, it's still in an adjustment because my time is not necessarily the same that I had because I'm laser focused on growing and putting energy. So mm-hmm. my availability to him and to the kids is not always there. My daughter told me yesterday, you're always working. You always on your, I said, yeah, girl, I'm building an empire. Let me do mm-hmm. this because I'm making moves <laughs> and opportunities right. for the future. But what she was communicating to me a previous version of mom was always available. I was always yeah. there. I was always had time to do whatever you wanted to do. Um, but now my time is kind of restricted. I'm like, okay, mommy's here. I spend quality time, but there are times I have to remove myself to go focus on some other projects because of the vision sure. um, that I'm currently focused on. And that's not always easy for me. It's not always mm-hmm. easy for my children. And I know oftentimes for women, sometimes it is that balance of figuring out how do I do this? And and for me, what en- enables me is grace. I give myself grace. Yeah. I give my kids grace. And I just, it's not going to be, everything is not going to be perfect. Something is right. going to be left right. unattended to. I just have to decide and choose what will that thing be? And I always just try to make sure and work yeah. that it's not the same thing day after day. For sure. It's funny. I remember <laughs> I was dating a person way back when name unimportant at the moment <laughs> um, and I remember asking you I asked this question um 
how do you know you have chemistry with a person? And what did I say? You said, huh, chemistry is nice, but what you need to make sure you have is compatibility. Yes. And I said, huh. I say, interesting. Now, that's a nugget I got from a married woman, like you probably like at least 15 years ago, about at least. Mm-hmm. But that very same thing, as a person who is navigating dating, has played its role so pivotally that I was just like, huh, I am well, I am well um, compatible with my partner. We are very compatible. Chemistry was also there. But going back to the, I, you did need wisdom from someone else. Yes. You do need, you do need the guidance from someone else and life does change. So when you're talking about you and Emerson, you're in a different space now. I've watched you evolve, but the combat compatibility never changed. Shifted. Absolutely. The compatibility it, never shifted, but um, the chemistry even has been, it's actually pretty thing more intensely <laughs> and more passionate now the way you two are, but <laughs> And I can definitely agree with you. It's just one of those things like as women, we do shift and we do change. Um, but in allowing ourselves that space to shift and change. And it's interesting you brought that up because I, I vaguely remember you saying that because I think sometimes chemistry is an attraction, right? If you do, mm-hmm. you're, you studied science a little bit, the positive and negative mm-hmm. attraction. So if there was something that drew you, the attraction, the, the I, I forgot the term, but there is an actual term mm-hmm. for that. Um, that draws the two individuals together. Mm-hmm. However, that's not going to be the thing that keeps you together, right? That's because it so goes big. back to yeah, it goes back to that euphoric, you know, that euphoric mm-hmm. love that you spoke about previously. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm attracted to you, but then what happens when life happens? Or what about there's a situation that I don't like, or you do something that I don't like, and now you become mm-hmm. unattractive? What happens? Because we're, mm. as you said before, we're all imperfect. We're all going to do things that get on each other's nerves. And in that moment, you may not be as cute as I thought you were before. And so this is where compatibility comes in. And compatibility, the definition of compatibility means a state in which two things are able to exist mm. or occur together without problems or conflict. Mm. Mm. Now you tell me which one you need most in a relationship. Maybe you're going to need to solve some problems. You don't need to be able to get along. <laughs> Chemistry will find itself back. <laughs> you need to be able to get along. To create a safe space so we can coexist. Exactly. Right. So we can yeah. exist and occur together without problems and conflict. Because who yeah. wants to live in a house with a brawling woman? The Bible said I'd rather be on, on the rooftop <laughs> than to be in a house with a brawling woman. Who wants to be in a house where two people can't coexist that goes back to what we were talking about in the first episode anxiety and depression right you, you it's hard to come home to to go to work or, or do whatever your 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 job or whatever your calling is and come to your quote unquote your home which is supposed to be a safe place and not be able to exist and live together and solve problems and conflict because those are going to come. We're going to have problems. We're going to have conflicts. Things are, someone may lose their job. A, 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 a parent, my husband and I, in our marriage, both of his parents have, have deceased. And so walking through that, mm-hmm. that those are challenging moments, right? Where now someone is grieving and, you know, we have young children and you are trying to figure out just life. And then I'm trying to determine how do I be there to support you? It, 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 it brings right. in yes. a level of conflict. You know, I've lost 
I lost two jobs in, in our relationship. And so now mm-hmm. incomes, I mean, those early on, I was pregnant with my daughter uh, 14 yeah. years ago when I lost my, as yeah. a matter of fact, I was 36 weeks pregnant. I will never forget the day, August 4th. Yeah. People told me they need me no more. <laughs> and I cried all the way home to tell my husband mm-hmm. that I don't have a job anymore. And we're about oh, to have a baby in four weeks. And his loving self wrapped his arms around me as I crushed and fell to the floor. But that was compatibility came in, Mm. right? Compatibility came in. We were able to solve problems. We were able to deal with Mm. the conflict. Although we were about to be parents, (laughs) Mm -hmm. we, that's where compatibility came in. Right. So this is why I I always say in relationships that it is compatibility that you always want to make sure that you are looking for, uh, because again, and one of the things, and I think I heard this from another wise person, they said, whoever you're dating, whoever you're married to, is this the person's hand that you want to be holding when you have to bury your mother, your father, a child, somebody that's close to you. In in time of a severe yes. loss, is this the person's yes. hand you feel most comfortable and safe with as you're yes. walking down to put a loved one to rest? Do, do you feel like they can give you what you need in those kinds of moments and let you walk through? And so that, that I don't remember where I got that from, but that has always stuck within me when mm-hmm. it comes down to relationship. So speaking mm-hmm. of relationships, we're going to end with this topic. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about sex, baby. Oh, yes. I know this is one of your favorite topics, Dr. Justilian. So when it comes down to women and and sex in general, Mm -hmm. the culture has completely shifted. (laughs) Mm, In what way do you think? (laughs) (laughs) The culture has completely shifted. At least from where where, where I can, I, I think women are more open in regards to before again, you're the expert. So let me let me stop talking because I'm nowhere near expert <laughs> at all. No, I'm so curious. you when tell you me the... what are you seeing on your end? Well, and I think that's why I asked you, um, what is it that you think the culture has shifted? Because it may um on the surface, the level of explicit probably sexuality, explicit sexuality seems to be more overt. Okay. Um, however, there are several things. The fluidity of sexuality has found its way across the spectrums. Mm-hmm. Um, I say um, anywhere from polyamory, meaning more than two people in a marriage, um, to truffles, more than two people in a relationship, to not necessarily identifying as one, um, as one, uh, as one gender, or as one who um, who participates in one particular type of sexuality, meaning whether heterosexuality, um, bisexuality, or whatever word you want to use, pansexuality at this point. So what are you seeing? You're seeing there's a open door. Yes. That's the best word. There is an opening in many, and it's funny, I heard this, I think Jackie Hill Perry said this. Mm-hmm. This is probably the first time in our culture we're using sexuality as an identifier. Yeah, yeah. Like, since when has we viewed our sexuality? I mean, what you do behind the closed bedroom door as a way to identify yourself. Yeah. So when it comes to women and sex, um, traditionally, I would say the same still appears. Many women are not, for the most part, are not um, comfortable having conversations about sex. And those who are 
and those who come to therapy when it comes to having issues um, about sexuality, sexuality and sex are two different things. Mm -hmm. So um, sex in itself, it depends on what generation, but what's common across the theme, if there's trauma there, it's going to affect you. There's going to come up in your sex life. That doesn't, it doesn't matter what age, doesn't matter how open you are, doesn't matter how fluid you are. Um, Sex is just one of those things because of the level of intensity of the act, whether you were were you whether you were violated or it was something that you've done under your own omission, right? It is one of those things that I it's a, it's a part of the screening pro- um, process. I was asked, "Well, when's the last time you had sex?" Um, one to see the reaction because most of the time people stutter. Um, and two, you'll be remiss, especially married women. How long you go out without having sex? And I'm like, how do you go so long when it's readily available? <laughs> and but that's the question. Yeah, and that's the question. So even that tells the story, right? So what are you seeing with sex? You're seeing that the door is open on the outside, mm. but it's still very much a taboo question. Those who are even who are freely able to speak about it, even that's information for me. Wow. Even that's information. So, you know, um, I, I love mm-hmm. how you say that, that sexuality and sex and bringing into the fact that when you have trauma in, in sex, or if you had trauma in any type of sexual trauma, that it does impact your relationship, mm-hmm. that it does impact a person relationship. Mm-hmm. So in those scenarios, what do you recommend for a woman who may have had some type mm-hmm. of situation, whether they were molested, whether they were raped, mm-hmm. whether they were touched inappropriately. Uh, how do you recommend for them yeah. to become whole so that way they can enjoy the opportunity right. of having sex with their with their spouse? Well, I think the misnomer is the general woman who, when you've experienced a level of sexual trauma or uh, a sexual behavior outside of your will, Mm-hmm. I would say um, there's already a stigma of feeling broken or damaged. Mm-hmm. So I reserve the term wholeness because of the implicit feeling already that gotcha. I, there's something gotcha. missing. So, and depending on the relationship the person's in that first, if you feel safe enough, does your partner know? And once again, a lot of partners do know, a lot of partners don't. So that is exploration. Well, what does, what does that mean? Because for some women, if your rights have been taken away at an early age, just the very fact of being able to hold on to that information oh. for you makes you have like you still have some autonomy, some power. So we're not even rushing to share. We're not even rushing to share. The question is, well, what do you want to do with this information first? So you have so cases like, in which some women are in relationships in there and their yeah. spouse don't know? Oh, oh absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Every time and I have I have one every time we have sex, she is reminded of the perpet uh, the the perpetrator that happened at five. She's wow. in her thirties every time. Wow. So the question is like, well, what does not sharing, how is that useful for you? Right, right, right. And also, what is your relationship up against that person not knowing? What is your relationship up against? And at this time, too, the, how have you been identifying? And to how comfortable are you to be, are you, how comfortable are you with identifying as something different? Because, too, when, depending on how close you are, the distant marker, because sometimes for people, we take on different things that happen in our life and it becomes a part of our identity. And some people don't. You you can have two people go through the same thing and it would be one that's identified, this is my thing and this is who I am. And this is one person like, it happened, I don't want to think about it. So the 
role is like when it comes to sexual trauma, is this an identifier for me? Is this part of my narrative? And what would it mean for me if if it no longer if it served a different function in my life? Meaning, um, is it still holding space? Because also too, if it's in relationship with you and your partner doesn't know, then that's something between you and your partner. He doesn't. That person doesn't know. Yeah. So there is literally a fact, and probably an important fact, that's keeping you somewhat separated, right? In intimacy with this person, right? And for some people, that's protection. I don't yeah. want to ever be that intimate with anybody, or I don't want to ever be that person with somebody. So I need that to be there. Mm. So is that is that a safeguard? And would you say that's healthy? Healthy is relative, but I will say, okay, <laughs> um, I think it's useful to ask. Okay, if it's serving that function for you, then what is your relationship up against? What do you notice how this is affecting your relationship? Um, this per- And it's almost like having a person in the room with you. And this person doesn't know. Yeah. So it's more levels of conversation. Like what does sex, when you say sex, well, what does sex mean to me as an individual? Mm. Some of them are hypersexual and their partners aren't. and Or the person may have been diagnosed with ED, erectile dysfunction disorder. What does that now mean for me in sex? I don't want to emasculate them and say that I want it more than you can give me or you're not performing the way I like. So the question is, well, do we entertain, do we start entertaining other things? So what does that mean? Is that a conversation for both of you? Or is this something you're referring to just you, yourself and you? So what does that mean for your relationship? Mm. So when you are, once again, when those say masturbation is healthy, that is an argument for some. But what I will stand by is if masturbation is a part of your relationship and that's something you are engaging with self, Okay, then what is your relationship up against if there's masturbation? If you're able to please self outside of your relationship, what does that mean for your relationship? Is your partner aware of that? Is that a level of intimacy you both are okay with happening outside of the relationship? And if not, then perhaps as a conversation. And if you are, okay, so what does that mean? If you're both able to take care of your other its own needs with masturbating, then that means you're both able to engage in self-pleasure Okay, then does that behavior also lead itself to show itself in a different way? So I think we always think of masturbation as, and I know we're jumping subjects, but I think it's important to talk about as just a way it's self-pleasing. There's nothing wrong with self-pleasing. I also understand, we also, there's studies to support when one is able to satisfy self, does that also admit intimacy within the relationship to some degree? Right, right. Does it it minimizes the... The level of connection. Yeah, Mm -hmm. with the the individual. Yeah. So, and if you're both okay with that, okay. But if one partner is it, then what does that mean? Hmm. So sex is like money. It opens up itself to see, it's like a barometer. It shows you where a person person is and a relationship is. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's one of the things, honestly, that, and it's one of those topics for some people that is very, very uncomfortable. And that, and that was me when I was growing up. That wasn't a conversation my parents ever spoke about, you know. Right, right. I, one thing I, I, my husband and I vowed with our kids is to make sex normal, mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. it a part of the human being expression um, and to train them according to our values that, you know, we we feel that the best uh, framework for you to enjoy mm-hmm. sex is with a married mm-hmm. partner and a spouse. And, and so raising them and teaching them that this is the best right. framework, you know, to be able to enjoy this is kind of what we are, but not to withhold and having those discussions and dialogue yeah. because the culture is wide open 
uh, when it comes down to having discussions about sex and all the other truffles and rifles and all the other stuff, you just had never heard those words and ten sums and threesomes and and so I know for a lot of women, it's you know as you get older, particularly dealing with I know you're talking about family and marriage. As you get older, your hormones shift, and some women going through premenopause, and and mm-hmm. some women, you know, are having to have, they have fibroids and they have to have uh, early hysterectomies. And so their hormonal levels get suffer. And, and sometimes just that alone will suppress the desire for having sex with your partner. So how would you help someone walk through that scenario where it's oh. not that you, you dislike your spouse, but just like biologically, your body is just I- like, Hey, it, I, I had a friend of mine. She was just like, <laughs> we were just joking but she was just like it is like the desire is gone and she's young she's in her late 30s she's like it's just um she's had a a, a procedure and she was just like it's and so what do you do and the, is there anything medical or is there anything natural so, I think um people might get mad at me for this one but as women um I wonder was this when we hear the terms hormonal changes, is that something we use to justify our behaviors versus an opportunity to say, you know, something's going wrong with me. I probably haven't been taking care of myself the way I needed to. And I need to take accountability here. Yeah. So if you're vaginally drying up. Yeah. There's KY, there's coconut oil, there's certain things. You're so, helping the people today, Chrissy Hines. It ain't no excuse. So what I'm saying is, what it's saying, I'm hearing something more. So if when a person with hormone, I just cannot. So I'm going to say, okay, what interventions have you utilized? Mm-hmm. Oh, none. So the lack of use of intervention means, oh, somebody don't want to. And mm-hmm. this is a, this, this is useful for you. And if that's you, that's okay. It's not judging, but let's start teasing apart something here. What's happening in your marriage where not having engaging your not engaging with sex is okay for you? Because I'm tired. Okay, you're tired. Responsibility is your is your husband helping around the house? So, excuse me, is he not helping? Are there mm-hmm. financial resources that are tied up, which helps, which gets in the way of there being yeah. extra help? And then, if there are financial resources, then okay. So, what's the what's the debt? What's the income? So now you start opening the conversation to bigger things. So it's just not hormonal; it's just a symptom. So, so let's go back to what we talked about in part one: stress. What impact? Right the stress have on the desire to have sexual relations? By the time men use sex to release stress. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Women is when we're overflowing with the joys of the world and of our bosoms, we have sex. Yeah. And I had to so- learn that. I had to learn that early. <laughs> I did not understand that dynamic. I was just like, wait a minute. <laughs> we both stressed out and then this is what you desire. And I, mm-hmm, I had to mm-hmm, learn that mm-hmm, I had to learn that mm-hmm. men release when they, when they get stressed. And that was right. a part of me maturing in marriage to think, mm-hmm. okay, when he's stressed, this is what his, this is, this is, this is the desire. Whereas when right. I'm stressed, it's like suppressed. It's like, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Like what you talking about? You know, <laughs> like, you don't see what we got going on here. Yeah. Like we're just talking yeah. about, you know, whatever, you know, you might, wait a minute. Like it, I had to really like mm-hmm. work through and, and it's sometimes just still an awareness that I have to mm-hmm. think through and 
bring myself into a place so that way I could be prepared. But naturally it's not, it's not the same. Like we're not women and men are not wired that way. Well, I can say I am, right. I, I would say most women, there may be some women out there who say, I, yeah. I am. Um, but yeah. I know most women are not wired that way. Right. Sex is just one part of the story. If I'm not feeling like having sex, then the question is how come? Yeah. Yeah. And generally, even in partnership, um, we get hooked up on the climate. The hook is, well, why don't you understand? Or why don't you understand me? Well, if the if it's more of a sacrificial, now this is one once again the biblical context. I'm here, I'm taking marriage to serve you. You're taking marriage to serve me. And our the goal is to serve each other. Then okay, maybe we both have to have a conversation. What's getting in the way of me being able to serve you this way? Right now. That's a many said that's an idealized like that's idealized thinking. I still got these hormonal issues, and I I hear you. This is where the, okay, this term self care, sex is. We are sexual beings, these women. We were created if in a context of a healthy, thriving relationship. We were created that sex is something to be enjoyed, right? So if I'm not enjoying it, then is that sharing more information here that's probably worth looking into? Yeah. And as much as it's like, well, it's not even a priority. Well, if you got three kids under three, it's not. If you have three children under three years old, it's not. So what is a priority for you? Is your husband aware? Do you have a, a resources around you? This is community. Is, and unfortunately, we do lack that. And there are stages in life where you're right. There will be resources that are lacking that affects our lives. We're not mitigating any of that. Mm-hmm. we're just saying is sex is also not the table topic so if there are issues in your sex life there are issues this is it it's not it's every now and again it's the organ there you may have the organ itself the vag the vulva the cervix the penile gland you may have issues within the gland okay but even that is that diet mm-hmm. is that hereditary is there other things going on in the body that needs to be worked out and checked out? If I'm literally having fibroids and I have 36,000 fibroids, I'm being, I know I'm being funny here, but, and then do I need to reassess my life? If there are things going on in my life that has been going on in my life that's manifesting into fibroids. So, okay, I'm on birth control. Okay, birth control does allow some to move moose with. Are you just taking what they give you or are you doing your own due diligence to look at what other birth controls are there? Mm-hmm. Let's say are there, there are some who are getting estrogen based on birth controls or the body is sensitive. Maybe you need a progesterone. Maybe you need something that's made of copper. Maybe it's, there are, just because there's a symptom, it's, we're still accountable. We are, just because there's a symptom does not relieve you of accountability. Yeah. It just says, I may have to do some investigation here. And because I think that's that, where, I'm sorry, I think that's where some women get hung up at is th- like, <laughs> I have learned over the years, like anything else in marriage, sex is one of those areas of marriage that you grow into. Mm-hmm. Despite what culture mm-hmm. presents itself yes. and how it's presented on TV and how it's presented in the mm-hmm. world. And then you watch all these romantic films and it's like, ah, 
you know, everything's just like all the stars and everything's lining up and everything's going to be perfect. But the reality in marriage is not always like that. As you said, if you have kids, mm-hmm. if you're working and one spouse has to get up before the other, one spouse comes in, like it, it's all these manu- um, moving yeah. pieces for some relationships and even certain seasons, you may have yeah. a spouse who's traveling, who's, who's away. So right. it's all Absolutely. these different dynamics that can impact you know, the relationship that when you're, you know, maybe first dating or however the case may be, may not have been a a, a factor, but as you grow and you get older and you're with this person for years upon years, there are so many different changes within the relationship that you changes within the relationship, changes within your body, changes within your household, kids get older, whatever living environments uh, that sometimes uh, you have to be cognizant and aware that, you know, those dynamics may have had an impact and you don't even realize, you don't even realize it. Can you imagine in a world, and let's just say for kicks and giggles, and I know all things not created equal. If you're having issues in your relationship and early conversation with how does a woman, when women come into relationship um, to counseling about their relationship, mm-hmm. I have asked, have you ever, and there's this, did you ever stand in front of him naked asking him for what you need? No, because I don't feel like it. My bet is <laughs> if that was the goal, if you said like, I want to have more sex. I would like to have more sex with you. Baby, I miss having sex with you. I don't want to be able to, but these are the things getting away. Can we find a way to get rid of, deal with these things so we can be able to have more sex? It'll be interesting to see how men will play that video game to get that prize. <laughs> you know but and i'm not not making it simplistic but i think sometimes we in a world where we it can be simple Mm -hmm. it's easy to get caught up in the complexities because i think that's where we wire ourselves and we make the complexities our stuff and our Mm hang-ups so the common question i'm even asking myself in these days like is what what do i really want Okay, my values. I'm always gonna go back to values. Okay, I don't like a healthy, prosperous relationship. Okay, what's standing in the way of that? Yeah, yeah. I want a healthy, prosperous relationship with self. Healthy, probably um, in a healthy relationship with my child. What are the things standing in the way of that? And work backwards. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's good. I love that. That is an amazing tip is, is going back to the objective is going back to the desired outcome, right? So going back to what we were talking about with the boss, babe, or the, you know, the, the women who are high profile, those of us who are, you know, working on different initiatives, you yourself, how do you, how do you build all of that, maintain all of that? It goes back to, you know, what do I want? What's the main goal? The main goal is this. So focus on the main thing. So if this is the main goal and I want this and this is important, then I think working backwards will help me in my mind to calculate, okay, this is when you need to close the laptop down. This is when you need to do this and you need to shift gears and focus on this. This is when you need to do this and spend time over here. Uh, And and I honestly have become more aware. I put it on my schedule. Right. I put it in the right. schedule and I'm like, okay, we're going to schedule date night here. I'm going to spend mm-hmm. time with my kids here. I, I right. try to make, make it more aware. So, because it, it's not going to autonomously happen in the world that we live in when we have so um, many time different schedules, kids on different schedules and people need different things and did it. So I think if you make, if it's important, then you just keep it on the schedule. So that way it's in your awareness. You, you know, it's important. 
and you you are more likely to make it happen because you have made time on your schedule for it to happen. Sometimes we'll have to make really, if our relationships are what we say is a value, you may have to sacrifice and what seems like a huge sacrifice now for the goal leader. Absolutely. Personally, I have had to make a sacrifice with my career. Now that, God knows, that's not what I've been chasing. I would yes. openly say that's my cleft. Like the idol has always been career. Mm-hmm. But in this season, I was like, okay, God, let's readjust. You have called me in this season to be this. So I work less. In order for these other spaces in life to just be this season, I work less. Now financially, does that mean something? Yes. Does my flesh sometimes have to stake at the cross? <laughs> yes. But at this moment in this season, what's the bigger picture? And I think is that dying to self for the sake of vision is where we get that cross. Like, I want a healthy relationship with my husband. Then, okay, does boss babe, does that have to be reshifted? And, and maybe redefine not based on what culture you may yes. have to define what it means to you. Exactly. To you, right? Exactly. So boss babe is this to me. Boss babe yep. is in this order. This is what this is what allows me to be a boss babe is because I have all these other important priorities in place. Therefore, I feel at peace being able to execute to lead to make all these other moves over here because the most important things to me are taken care of. The most yes. important people that I love are taken care of. They know that I love them, and therefore they're they're rooting for me. They're they're cheering me on because they know that honestly we're all in this together. Like this is a team effort, uh, and it's not it's not me against you. And this this is one. Then it doesn't feel like you're in competition. They don't feel like they're in competition with this yes. thing. You know, and that's one thing that I always try to work to me and I will encourage anyone. You don't want your your passion or your calling to feel like your family, your spouse are in competition with that because of the amount of time and energy you give to it. The amount of time you spend with it, you speak to it, you rub it, you lay with it. You don't want that to be the thing that your spouse or your children feel like they are competing with. Dr. Justinian, I so appreciate you for... Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yes, for sitting with me today. I definitely have to bring you back on. You You are just a wealth of knowledge, and I just enjoy having conversations with you. So... Until next time, I will definitely bring you back on a later date for us to continue this dialogue on mental health and just women issues because there are so many other issues that I know that we can, that we can, we can talk about.